Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to bring to you a message this morning entitled Room Available. We didn't print notes this morning, but there are some uh, space on the back of your uh, program this morning if you would like to take notes. I encourage that because I believe that what James says is that we should be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. It helps you to be interactive to what I believe the Lord laid on my heart. I'll just tell you this. I don't go uh, every week and try to come up with a sermon. You don't need another sermon. You've heard enough. I try to ask God for a message for the people of the Lord. That's what I do every week. Some people think that pastors only work on Sundays. Let me tell you, my friend, my, my, my day begins as soon as 12 o'clock hits Sunday afternoon. It starts all over again. And we go and we say, Lord, give me a word for our church. Give me a word for the people. Give me a word for such a time as this. And so um, I encourage you to interact with, interact with the Word of God this morning. Take notes if you uh, don't have that incredible memory like Leslie does. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. It's a story some of you may be familiar with. It says, And one day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. I want you to underline that phrase right there, continually passing our way. Verse 10, Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. So that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Father, I pray that you would take this word this morning, that you would allow it, Lord, to expose the truth unto us. In our hearts, Lord, may we take away, Lord God, the words that, Lord, we need to hear. And I pray that, Lord, every distraction, Lord, would be set aside in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning, I want to talk about that story. It's a story about the prophet Elisha. Many of you know who Elisha is. He, was, he followed the, the prophet Elijah. We can get those confused. But this is Elisha, the man who asked for a double portion of God to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit to do the works that the Lord had called him to do. And this man, Elisha, was, was an itinerant minister, if you could say that. He was an evangelist. He traveled all over that country. He was constantly on the move from Galilee out to the west toward the Mediterranean, down even toward Judea. But the presence of power of God was always upon Elisha. As a matter of fact, there was a double portion that was laid upon Elisha. He did miracles that some of us would just absolutely dream to see in person. But on one particular day, he is traveling as in his 
in his travels, he passes through a village named Shunem. Now, Shunem is a place that was used by Elisha for rest. It was, it was a constant place of, of just refreshment. And as he passed through, there was a well-to-do woman, which means the lady had it together. There wasn't any major problems. She had good life. She had a husband. They were taking care of themselves. Things were going well. And this woman recognizes him because he had often come through that way. He had often come through the village of Shunem. And she also recognizes something even more important than that. She recognizes that he is a man of God. She recognizes that Elisha is not just some preacher rolling through, that he is not just some uh, person who needs a room for the night, but he is a person who the power and the presence of the Lord rests upon. She recognizes that, and she invites him to come to dinner. She said, would you just stop? Would you, would you come in and just, just have a meal with us? And the scripture says that after that meal was over with and Elisha leaves, that she has a conversation with her husband. And she tells her husband, she says, Honey, I think what we need to do is we need to do a little remodel on the house. How many of you men have ever heard that story from your wife before? Honey, I think we need to add on a room. I think we need to make, make, a, make a little bit more square footage here. And the reason is not for us, but the reason is so that we can make a room for the prophet of God so whenever he comes by, he will have a place to stay. Now, my question is, why would she do that? Why would she say, let's go, throughout the, let's go through the expense and the hassle and the, and the difficulties and the decision-making of adding on a room to our house? Why would she go through all of that effort? I believe it's because of this church. I believe it's because she wanted to make room for the power and the presence of God to come her way and come near her family. You see, here's a principle that I want to begin with you this morning that you can write this down. Unless you make room for the power of God to work in your life, it might pass you by. Can I say that again? Unless you create room for the power of God to have a place in your life, it will pass you by. It will move by. Elisha was constantly on the move. He was all over Galilee. Galilee. As a matter of fact, in this scripture right here, the, the ESV says that he was continually moving. In the same way that Elisha moves, I want you to understand something also, and that is that the Holy Spirit is constantly on the move. Amen? The Holy Spirit is constantly moving. He's moving here. He's moving there. He is always on the move, to looking to touch, looking, to, looking to, to lay His presence upon someone. And just because He is moving, what I want you to see, doesn't mean that He is going to benefit you. Now, as you're trying to work through that theology, let me just tell you, what do you need to do? Well, the Scripture plainly says that what you need to do is you need to make room for Him. Come on, somebody. You need to make room for God. You need to make room for His presence. You need to make room for His power. You need to make room for Him. And that's exactly what this family, this couple does. They make room. They add on a room for when the prophet comes through. They want His power, His presence to not just be at work traveling down the road. They want Him to be in their house. They want to be at the dinner table with Him. Let me just take you through some scriptures. You see, God is always on the move. 
His Spirit is always moving. And in the New Testament, you see this come to, come to light in the life of Jesus. You can look in several passages. In Luke chapter 18, the Scripture says this. It says that Jesus of Nazareth, in one in instance, that He is passing by. Everybody say, passing by. That He is passing by. In the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 19, the Scripture says that He entered Jericho, speaking of Jesus, and He was passing through. Say, passing through. In Mark chapter 6, we see the story that we're going to talk about in a few minutes of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And if you look at the last part of verse 48, it says that he meant, it's an incredible scripture that helps us to understand the thought that I've got for you this morning, is that he meant, look at that, look what it says, he meant to pass them by. Now, have you ever thought about that before? Why would Jesus do that? I mean, don't we, don't we sing that song? Savior, Savior, do not pass me by. Why would we say that if we knew that it was possible for him to pass us by? You ever thought about that? In 2 Kings chapter 4, look at verse 9. It says that the, the prophet Elijah was continually passing our way. I want you to see this. That it's not enough, church friend. It's not enough, Christian believer. It's not enough, Journey Fellowship attender, to know that where two or three are gathered together in my name, that he is in the midst of them. It's not enough to just know that. It's not enough to know that in God's promises of the Old Testament, he says that his eyes move across the earth looking for someone who he, he can help. It's not enough to know that the Lord is always moving. It's not enough to know that the Holy Spirit is always at work. It, is, it seems to me that if we don't make room for him, if we don't put out the welcome mat for the Lord, if we don't say we have made room for you, then he might pass us by. Are you hearing me? Just because Jesus is passing by does not mean he's moving in. preaching this morning unless you make room for him and just because he's passing down the road does not mean he's moving in yesterday morning i got up early i was thinking about this message and i was up about seven o'clock in my office and i looked out the window and a big u-haul truck had pulled right in front of our house and I thought, Lord Jesus, I didn't know I made the church that mad. No, I'm just kidding. The neighbor on the, across the street, they were moving in. They were moving into that house that had been up for sale for several months. You know, it would have been crazy if the person driving that U-Haul van would have just kept on driving around the block, just kept on passing in front of that house. Kept on going by because they, if, if that was the case, the family would have never been moved in. In order to move in, you have to have space to move into. And what I want you to see is that unless we make room for the presence and the power of God in our life, He can walk right on by because we're too busy, we're too full, the doors are still locked, the garage is closed, we've got other things going on, and the van will just keep on circling around. Now the Holy Spirit will keep circling the block, keep waiting. The Holy Spirit is persistent. Jesus is very persistent with us. He wants to move in our life, but unless there is room that is made, He will not move in. 
We should welcome him. We should urge him. Look at what look at 2 Kings chapter 4. Look at that very first in verse 8. It says that the woman urged him. She pleaded with him, please come in, have some food, stay for dinner. She made room for him at her table, but that wasn't even enough. She didn't want to miss the opportunity for more fellowship and for more meetings and for more time in the presence of this man of God. She said, honey, we're not just going to have him over for dinner. We're going to move him in. We don't want a temporary experience of the power and presence of God. We want a permanent existence in our home that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is going to work on a daily basis. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. She made room for him. She didn't want to miss an opportunity. Look at it. She didn't want to miss the opportunity for the power of God to work in her family and in her life. Can I just tell you that this morning, what you get out of this worship service this morning will be exactly what you made room for. What you get out of church is exactly what you make room for in your life. You can come to this church every day, every Sunday, for the rest of your life, but if your house is closed and your garage is shuttered down and your windows are boarded up, let me tell you, my friend, that van's just going to keep circling the, circling the block because you have not made room for God to, mo- to work and to move in your life. What you get out of this, of this service and this message and this worship experience will be what you made room for, friend. My fear is, is that there's way too many people in this church, and I know for a fact those who are watching online have closed the doors. They've locked themselves in. Not only have they quarantined themselves, they have quarantined him out. I'm just telling the truth. I told you, you wanted a message or a sermon. I'll give you the message. I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear me. This pandemic has not changed commitment in people's lives. It's exposed commitment in people's lives. I'm going to say that again, because that's worth saying. This pandemic hasn't changed commitment. It's exposed commitment. My friends, we have to make room for the Lord. You better make room for Him in your week. You better make room for Him on Sunday, which is His day. You better make room for Him when our worship team stands up here and they've practiced and they've rehearsed and they've prayed and they've asked God to come and to move through them. You better make room for Him when we start singing and lifting up the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something, it won't be nothing but words on a screen. You got to make room for him when I stand up here and preach and deliver the word, the message of God that I know He laid upon my heart. If you don't make room for him, it's like it's like throwing a basketball at a goal that's covered up with a piece of plywood. It's just going to bounce off. It's going to go through the hoop. It's not going to ever register. It's not going to make a difference in your life. You've got to make room for the Lord to move in your life. You got to be able to to say, "I have a room. I have a place where you can come and stay." We have to make room for him. 
It's not an issue of whether or not the Holy Spirit is here. It's not an issue of whether or not the saving grace of Jesus Christ is in this room. It's not an issue or not of whether the power, the miracle working power of God is here. The question is, is will the miracle working presence and grace of God do you any good? Here's the principle I want you to get this morning. The Lord gave to me. I want you to write it down or take a picture with your phone. She'll put it up on the screen. Need does not obligate God to perform a miracle. Listen again. Need does not obligate God to perform a miracle. Because if you just stand by and sit by and watch the power of God pass by, then you might as well say goodbye to your miracle. Need does not obligate God to perform a miracle. So the question is, is what causes the Lord and His power to move into our life? I believe there's one word. It's the word desperation. Desperation. When Elisha first came to Shunem, this woman, this Shunammite woman, urged him, please stay, please, please, I'm begging you, please stay, have have dinner, have a a meal with us. I know you've got important things to do, Elisha. I know that you have contact with the king. I know that you talk to to the commander of the armies on a regular basis. I know that you've got important people to see, important places to go to, but would you just please let me spend a little bit of time with you? Can you just be with my husband and I just for a short amount of time? Can you please just hang around? We want to be in your presence, Elisha. Would you just please stay? I know that we may not be important. I know that we're just kind of ordinary folks in an outcast kind of a out-of-the-way village. We may not be very a very big deal, but would you just please... We may just be in Denton, Texas, at a little church north of the fairgrounds on Carroll Boulevard. But my prayer is, Lord Jesus, would you just please come? Would you just please just come? And and, and we've made room for you. We've got space. Would you just come? Would you let your presence just settle over us, Lord? May we feel your touch. May we feel your glory. May we see your power. It's a desperate heart. That's why some people who come into our church, I can tell. They don't understand why there's any exuberance and why there's passion from some, not all. I'm being honest. Not all, just some. There's some who are exuberant. They're passionate about it. There's some who might get a little bit loud. You might hear a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You might see somebody moving the carpet just a little bit. You might be seeing some sway and you might see some exuberance, some passion. You might see some people and people don't understand why someone might quietly come to an altar and just weep their eyes out. People don't understand why is all that going on. What I want you to notice in the scripture is that everyone that I read is that Jesus and his presence are moving from one place to another. And what made his presence stop? What made the miracle performing power of God stop? It's when he heard a desperate cry. It's when he heard the cry of a heart that said, would you please just stay with us? When he saw her desperation, he stopped. 
And he came in. When Jesus sees your desperate heart, my friend, he stops. He comes into your life. He comes into your situation. He comes into your circumstances. He comes into your, into your family. He comes right into the middle of their problems. And, and, and that's when the miracles of God begin to take place. They were desperate for him. They weren't desperate for a miracle. They were desperate for him. We get that confused sometimes. People are seeking miracles, seeking the power of God. Start seeking Jesus. Seek Him. Instead of playing church and checking it off the list on Sunday morning, I believe we can get desperate enough to fall on our knees before God and say, Oh God, would you just move in my life and in my family in a powerful way? Lord, would you move in my church? Would you begin to bring back those, Lord God, who have allowed, Lord, the things of life, Lord, to drown out and to choke out their faith in you? Lord, would you touch those, Lord, who are so far lost? Lord Jesus, you have to have a magnifying glass to see them. Lord, would you reach them? Would you touch them? Would you let your power move among them, Lord? When you look in Zac- at Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, a scripture that I read earlier, it says that Jesus was passing through that area. Zacchaeus, this man, I know you've heard of, he wanted to see the Lord, but guess what? He was just too short to see him. He hoped to catch a glimpse of his power, and he hoped to maybe even spend a moment with him, to shake his hand, to, to give him a fist bump, or even like what Jay likes, that, that elbow bump. He wanted to just be close to him, but this vertically challenged Zacchaeus of a man couldn't see him. What's unique in Luke chapter 19, it tells us that he didn't give up. Just because the crowd stood in his way, he didn't give up, and he didn't resign himself to the fact that we say, well, I guess it's just not meant to be. God's not going to move upon my life. I'm not going to get to see him. I guess, you know, as I hear a lot of Christians say, well, I guess it's just not God's will. What did he do? He acted upon his desperation. And here's what he said. My hope is not in me. My hope is in that tree. That was good. Where are you, man? He's paying so much attention, he forgot to be doing what he was supposed to be doing. That was good. I was waiting for a pot up. He said, my hope is not in me. My hope is not in my ability. My hope is not in my stature. My hope is not in my position. My hope is not in my, my, my uh, 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 being able to get through the crowd. My hope is in that tree right there. And what did he do? He climbed up in the desperate heart into that tree and gave himself the ability to see Jesus. But here's what's more important about this story. It also gave Jesus the ability to see him. And what happened? Jesus stops and he calls upon the man that was up in this tree. He didn't just notice him. He moved in. The Bible says that he showed up in Zacchaeus' house. Friends, when you make room for Jesus, he's not going to pass you by. He's not even just going to call you by name. He's going to move into your house. There we go. I want to remind you of another tree. There is a tree that we can put our hope in that's this morning still still can be seen in a mind's eye standing upon the hill called Calvary. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. On that tree, when you look at it just like Zacchaeus looked 
that tree and it raised him up so that he could see Jesus. When you look at the cross, you can still see our Savior who was ransomed for our sin. You can still see the one who freed us from death. You can still see the miracle-working, life-changing, family-transporting Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. Look at that tree. Put your hope not in me, but in the tree. Hallelujah. When you go to that tree and you give him your life, the Bible says in, in the book of Luke that that is the one time that heaven breaks out, stops everything that it's doing, and heaven breaks out into a worship service right then and there. Jesus leading it all. If you'll go to the cross this morning, can I tell you? It doesn't matter if you're just lost in sin, if you're away from God, you're dealing with problems in your life if you've got a situation you can't overcome if you will just go to the cross this morning my friend jesus will be the one that's moving in and he will be the one that's going home with you your depression won't be going home with you your defeat won't be going home with you your addiction won't be going home with you your fear won't be going home with you my friend jesus will be going home with you when you make room for him in your life Look at Bartimaeus in Luke 18. You know this story. Man had been blind since his birth. He was told, look at, the, look at the words. In Luke 18, Jesus is passing by. He's passing by. And so what does Bartimaeus do? He starts yelling out, Jesus! Couldn't see a thing. Jesus! Hey, Jesus! I'm over here. Hey, Jesus. And then some empty-hearted, dead-spirited, professional churchgoers tell him, Hey, Bartimaeus, be quiet. We don't do that around here. Thank God Bartimaeus ignored their encouragement. And the Bible says that he cried out, all the more. I love that phrase. All the more. You thought Jesus, hey, over here, it was, have mercy, Lord Jesus. Come and find me. Come and get me, Lord. I'm over here. And Bartimaeus got a miracle for crying out loud. Look at your neighbor and say, you can get a miracle for crying out loud. Come on. You can get a miracle for crying out loud. For crying out loud, you can get a miracle. Can I just tell you, listen to me. You might be one hallelujah away from that miracle you've been praying for. You might be one, oh, Jesus, have mercy from getting the very thing you've been praying for all your life. You might be one, thank you, Jesus, from having the Lord just intervene in that situation that you have been struggling with all of your life. Let me tell you, friends, for crying out loud, you can get the miracle that the Lord has wanted to pass by you and he want, he's waiting for you to make room in your life. Come on, somebody. I want you to know a desperate cry from a desperate man got him his sight back. 
and a desperate cry from a person right here in Journey Fellowship Church or wherever you are making room for Jesus saying, hey, I'm over here. I've got room. I've got time. Would you just come on over, Lord? Would you just come and show me your power? Show me your presence. Show me your glory. Hallelujah. In both of these certain instances, Jesus was on his way somewhere else. He was going somewhere else. Down the road to Jericho. Passing by in the temple courts. He's on his way somewhere else and a desperate cry got his attention. Thank you, Lord. Look in Mark 8 or Mark 6. You see the disciples here in Mark 6 straining against the oars. The Bible says that they're pulling against the oars. Waves are crashing in on them. Winds howling, blowing. Half of them scared to death, don't know what to do. They just know that they got to keep pulling on those oars. I want to read that passage in Mark 6, verse 48. Scripture says this, And he, Jesus, saw them that they were making headway painfully. I love that version. He saw they were making headway painfully. Anybody tried to live through life and you're just painfully, barely even moving along? Anybody know what I'm talking? Can you identify? I know what that means. I know what it means to feel like you're stepping three steps forward and getting knocked two steps back. You're making headway in life, but it's painful. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not pleasant. It's a challenge for you. Every day you get up and you say, oh, my God, I've got another face this devil down again today. They were making headway painfully. For it was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, Jesus Walking on the sea, and I want you to notice this passage. Some of you have never even recognized this before, but it says that he meant to pass by them. That, that blows some of your mind right there. Why? Well, I don't know. Maybe Did Jesus have business on the other side? Well, yes. Were there people over there in need? Yes. Did Jesus really know that everything was going to be okay? Yes. But the scripture says that he meant to pass by them. And verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. But the last two words are what clinches the whole thing. And they cried out. Can everybody just say, cried out? Now do it like the word says. And they cried out. You ain't going to get the attention in the middle of the storm of you just saying, hey, Jesus. Hey. Whoa. Woo-hoo. Over here. Jesus! Jesus! They cried out, the scripture says. They were straining at the oars. They were struggling in the storm. They were struggling with life. They were pushing against it. It was pushing back. 
as Jesus approached them, they didn't even, here's what I want you to see, they did not even recognize him. They're too busy trying to keep their boat above water. They're too busy in life trying to handle it on their own, trying to keep their eyeballs above water. Anybody ever been there in life? You're just trying to stay above, stay afloat. Just trying to stay above, just trying to maintain, just trying to keep from drowning. They're so busy doing their thing, pulling and straining that they don't even recognize Jesus. Here's the important thing I want you to see. The important thing is that they may not have recognized him in the middle of their storm, but he recognized them. He recognized them. Listen, you are never in a storm too severe that Jesus can't see you. You're never in a valley so dark that Jesus can't find you. You're never in a trial too terrible that Jesus can't see you. And when you feel the pressure of the waves and you feel the wind blowing against your face, remember that Jesus has his eyes upon you. Come on, somebody say amen. Remember that in the middle of the storms of life, Jesus has his eyes upon you. Now, I want you to notice this. Look in that passage. As they were making headway painfully, the wind was against them. They were warring against the wind and the waves. Listen. Jesus walks on what you war against. Jesus walks on the very thing that you war against. The things that make you nervous are the things that Jesus walks against. The things that scare you, the things that put fear in your life, that's what Jesus is above. Jesus walks on COVID-19. Do you hear me? Jesus walks over lawlessness. Jesus walks over injustice. Jesus walks over all of this that we see in our nation and world today. Jesus walks on the things that cause us trepidation in our souls. Jesus walks on the things that we war against. We talk about the war, but we forget that Jesus is walking upon those things. Here's the principle I want you to hear. Listen, the very thing that you are worried about is what's going to bring him to you. The very thing that's got you scared to death, the waves and the wind, the threat of sinking, that's the very thing that's going to that's gonna bring him right to you. Why? Because you, when you cry out, you've made room for not just him in your life, you've made room for him in your boat. They made room for Jesus into the boat. They, caused, they said, hey, look, we'll just move out of the way. You can have the seat right up front. You can have room. The very thing that you're worried about is the thing that's going to bring Jesus to you. He meant to pass by them. They were needs on the other side. They, they, they were people that he needed to see. But what he, was, what he was going to hear was the cry of a desperate heart. And when he hears that, he stops. And he was going to go to the other side until someone said, Jesus! And he stopped and he got into the boat. I want to leave you with this principle this morning. This thought. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Your need does not obligate God for a miracle. Here's another way to put it. The obvious 
does not obligate God. When Jesus saw Bartimaeus, what did he say? You know what he asked him? What did he ask him? He said, what can I do for you? Duh. I'm blind. I'm blind. Son of mercy, have, son of God, have mercy upon me. The obvious does not obligate God. There are obvious things in your life. Here's, here's where I want you to follow me. There are obvious things that are going on in your life right now. There are obvious things taking place. There are obvious problems going on in your life, but that does not obligate God to move in. What does? A desperate cry of a heart that says, I've made space for you. The obvious does not obligate him. But an open opportunity does. A desperate heart does. Your need doesn't obligate God to perform a miracle in your life because the Bible says faith is what moves the hand of God. Just because you're sick does not mean God has an obligation to heal you. It's because faith is what obligates the hand of God to move. Now that's theological principle number one in this spirit-filled church. You've got to get that. Just because you have a need and you sit in that seat on a Sunday morning and you hear the worship team and you hear a message of faith does not mean God's just going to move in on you. You have to create space in your life. You have to create a room for Him to move in you. You have to have a desperate heart that says, I will make sure that the presence and power of God does not pass me by. He is going to stop. I'm going to urge Him to stop. And when I see Him, He's going to have a place He can stay permanently in my life. It wasn't danger that caused Jesus to get into the boat. It wasn't their dilemma that caused Jesus into the boat to get into the boat with them. It was the cry of a desperate heart that caused Jesus to get into the boat. You see, I still believe in old school preaching that says, I encourage you to fall on your knees before God. And begin to seek Him to deliver you from sin, to deliver you from your addictions, to mend your brokenness, to mend what, what has damaged your life in such an incredible way. Give Him a space. For God's sake, give Him a space that He can move. And that's when He climbs into your boat or in your house or in the middle of your problem or circumstance, or your family, and he says, peace, which means everything ceases. He says, peace, and he transforms your heart that's filled with anxiety and worry to a heart filled with faith and hope and new life. This could be just another service today. It could be just another Sunday. We go about our business, or it could be the day that the Lord moves in on you that the Lord moves into your life because you've made room for Him. I close with this. The Shunammite woman didn't want the prophet to pass by. She wanted to have room for him. She wanted there to be a permanent availability. 
to the presence and the power of God. She wanted there to be a permanent oxen. And she creates room for him. And here's what I want you to see, because the Lord gave me more than one message out of this passage that I've been reading. What's going to turn out that that became one of the most important decisions that this woman and her husband ever made when they made room for God, because not too long after this, several years down the road, their son dies. And I want you to notice something. This woman takes her dead son and she takes him upstairs and she places him in the room that she had created for the prophet. She placed him in a room that was filled with faith, a room that was filled with praise, a room that was filled with glory, a room that was filled with desperation, a room that she had heard that prophet crying out to God. She put him in that place. She put him in that room. And it was in that room that the prophet raised that child back to life. That's powerful. That's powerful. Here's my call to you with every head bowed and every eye closed. Will you build him a room this morning in your life? Will you build the Lord a room that's filled with faith? Will you build him a room that's filled with praise? Will you build him a room that's filled with desperation? A room that you can hear the cries of your heart calling? You don't need another sermon, friends. We don't need another church service. What we need is a visitation of the Holy Spirit upon us. We need him to come in and move. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to call you to a decision. call you to cry out in desperation for the Lord. You might be like this woman. I'm going to talk about this a little next week. She's well off. Everything's fine in her life. Let me tell you something. Even though things are going good, it doesn't mean you don't need to make room for the Father. Amen. Spirit power. I want you to stand all over this room this morning. make room for him to perform a miracle in your life. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm going to ask you to come to these altars, these steps, altars. I want you to move out from where you are. And I want you to say, Lord, I'm making room for you in my life. I'm going to make room in my family. I want to make room in my marriage for you to work. I want to make room in my children's lives for you to work young person, I want you to hear me today. You better make room for the Lord. Don't get to college and say, you know, everything's going to be fine when I get it. No, it doesn't work that way. You make room for God now, and guess what happens? The older you get, the more faith you have, that room expands. It just keeps their add on, the add-on just keeps on going. Make room for Him today. Make availability. Make a room for Him today. As I pray, I want you to find a place of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I just praise you and I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord, that's here, Lord, that we feel in this place. I know that, Lord, that there are those who are in this place, Lord God, who have allowed the world 
and the busyness of life and the things of life to crowd out your presence that's crowded out your power in their life. Oh God, I pray that Lord Jesus, that you would draw them back to you. Help them to realize that Lord God, it's up to us to create space for you, Lord. Not that you just want to pass us by, but God, we have to create space, Lord, for you, Lord, to move in. Lord, don't pass us by this morning. Don't pass us by, Lord. Don't pass us pass us over, Lord. Jesus, come. Make room, Lord, come. Take up residence, Lord Jesus, in our hearts. Take up residence, Lord, in our hearts. Take up residence, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. Just call out upon the Lord this morning, church. It's just you and him. Just call out upon him. Say, Lord God, forgive me for, for sliding you out. Forgive me for locking the doors, for trying to, to maintain a, Lord God, a safety in my own life. Lord, when I've allowed you, Lord, to be on the outside. Don't let him circle the block anymore. Allow him to come in and move into your situation. Allow him to come in and move in your family. Allow him to come in and move in your in your career and in the job that God has placed you in. Allow him to come in. Give him space in your workplace. Give him space in your classrooms. Give him space. Come on. Call out upon the Lord this morning, church. Call out upon him. Remember, it's a desperate cry. It's a desperate heart. A desperate cry. Come on. Lift your heart to the Lord. Cry out to him. Weep before him. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. 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 God, touch your people. Touch your people. Touch those, Lord God, who are hungry, Lord, to see you move. Lord, you said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord, they would be filled. Lord God, I pray that there would be such a hunger, Lord. Create an appetite for the people of God, I pray. Lord, you want to move. Lord, you want to touch. You want to heal. You want to move, Lord God, in our minds, in our hearts, Lord God, in our, in our families, Lord Jesus. Help us to make room, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Call out to the Lord this morning. Call out to him this morning. Call out to him. Come on, cry out to God this morning. Cry out to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. That's right. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Press through. Press through. Come on. Pray through that. Pray through it. Pray through it, church. Come on. Some of you need to pray through. You need to pray through the distractions. Pray through the time. Pray through. Pray through. Pray through. Hallelujah. 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 Lord Jesus, I bind the powers of the enemy that would try to seek and destroy work of God in these hearts, Lord Jesus, today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, fall upon us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church, call out upon the Lord. 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 Call out upon the Lord.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we need to make space from the pastor's office all the way down to whoever even opens the door in this church. We need to create some space for God to move in this church. Come on, friends. Pray with me right now. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you, Lord God, this church. Lord, we open up ourselves, Lord, in these days, Lord, that are so filled, Lord, with so much chaos and wickedness, Lord. God, let us be a light. Let us be a light, Lord, where you, Lord, have time and room to work and move. Lord Jesus, move. Move in. Move in, Lord, to Jesus. Some of these families, Lord God, the enemy has broken apart it's torn to pieces Lord marriages God move into that home Lord Jesus hallelujah 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 here's what I want you to do church those of you who are praying in the altars I want you to do this everybody in the room would you just lift your hands and would you just begin to call upon the Lord right now would you just lift your hands come on a desperate cry. Say, Jesus, Jesus, move in on my life. Move in. I'd say, I make space for you, Lord. I create room for you. I'm asking for you, Lord, to move in, Lord, to let your spirit, your power be known. Come on. You can cry out loud. A miracle may be coming your way for crying out loud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. That's right. That's right. That's right. Lift your voice to God. Lift your voice. Get desperate. Cry out all the more. When your mind says, don't, don't be doing something that's embarrassing, you just ignore the voice of the enemy and you say, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on, church. Cry out to the Cry out to God this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Brandon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise 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 you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Some of you need to get a little bit more forceful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you need to put the devil where he belongs, under your feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Well, I told Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine. Well, now victory 
place this morning with one thing on your mind, and that is that you're going to continue to make a place for him. How many of you say, amen, I'm going to do that, Pastor? I'm going to make a place for God in my life. Let me tell you something. Don't let him pass you by. I pray that God would not pass this church by, but that every time we come together, that we would create a space for him to move in his power and his presence. Amen. Walk over the devil and give God place in your life. Amen. Let me pray for you, Lord. I pray that God, that as we leave this place this morning, that your presence, Lord, wouldn't just pass on. Lord, we'd go home with you, Lord. You'd go home with us. Lord, in the uh, places of our abode, Lord, I pray that the presence and power of God would begin to rise. Lord, in the kitchens and living rooms, Lord, the bedroom, Lord God, to the kids' room, the playroom, Lord, I pray that your presence, God, would fill every home. Lord, let us not just be a light that shines on the outside, but Lord, let the light and glory of God be afresh and new on the inside. Lord Jesus, let our children know the presence of God. Let our children know the power of God. Lord, let them know that, Lord, that they have parents, Lord, that serve you and faithfully, Lord, look to you for their support and their answer. Lord, I pray that, God, that you would go with us, that you would make a home among us. We've created space. Let today not just be another Sunday, Lord. Let this word, oh God, this message, this truth, Lord, go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.